So welcome to the Secret Shrimp Podcast. Um, today's episode is going to be kind of centered around how to take an off season or how to take a block of different kind of training um, and why that might be advantageous to you. We're going to start off because Garf has found some scientific article. That's absolute tripe. Uh, well, it wasn't, no, in fairness. It was passed on secondhand at work. Someone just uh, mentioned it. Oh, yeah. So yeah. they, they said that uh, apparently. Oh, I actually, I want to hear exactly what they said to you, and then. Oh, I don't. I can't remember what they said to me because it was like two days ago. But uh, <laughs> well, well, apparently, basically, what the study was. Well, what you were told hang was, on the articles are saying right. Caffeine doesn't affect your sleep. Right. So and what did what was the study done on? Oh, hang on. Now. So the article is from Insider.com, and the the title is drinking coffee or caffeinated tea before bed. We'll get to the podcast in a minute, right? But we just started talking about this. May not keep you awake, even if you have insomnia. So the bullet points they have, drinking coffee or tea this makes me sick. just before bed does not affect quality of sleep of people with insomnia, a new study has found. The study found that nicotine and alcohol, however, did disrupt sleep with a pre-bed cigarette taking 42 minutes off total duration of sleep for study participants. I'm trying to find the actual study, though, so drinking your coffee or tea just before bed does not affect quality of sleep, a new study has found. US researchers from Florida Atlantic University and Harvard Medical School school not stool. They are shitting out coffee. <laughs> monitored The Harvard Medical Seat. The, <laughs> the Harvard Pool School monitored seven hundred and eighty five people for a total of five thousand one hundred and sixty four days and nights. I I, hope, I should hope so. Yeah. Uh, recording how much caffeine alcohol and nicotine they consumed but these are people with insomnia no i don't think so i'm trying to I'll f- there's a lot of highlighted links here but i don't know if any of them lead to the study we'll finish the article and i'll try to find a study yeah so the team then compared their consumption to results from sleep diaries and wrist sensors okay so they do have some actual data so or data if yeah. you're american right which recorded the, the participants sleep duration sleep efficiency and how quickly they woke up after drifting off right um the study found that while nicotine and alcohol did disrupt sleep with a pre-bed, pre-bed cigarette, or uh, as in Ireland people say fag, and other countries don't know that they're referring cigarettes. cigarettes. UK might say fag too, would they? Yeah. They actually mean cigarettes. Taking 42 minutes off total duration of sleep for insomniacs. A person, if you don't know what an insomniac is, a person who is regularly unable to sleep. Yeah. Caffeine seemed to have no effect. Writing the journal Sleep, Dr. Christine. Dr. Christine. Is a that just do- her name? A woman doctor. <laughs> oh Doct- <my> God. <laughs> Edit that out. Boop. <laughs> I'm joking. Dr. Christine Sparola. That was funny in itself. Uh, Florida Atlantic University said that up to until said that up until now, relatively few studies had thoroughly investigated the association between evening substance use and sleep parameters. Yeah. This study represents one of the largest longitudinal examinations of the association of evening use of alcohol, caffeine and nicotine with objectively measured sleep outcomes, Dr. Spadola said. A night with use of nicotine and or alcohol within four hours of bedtime demonstrated worse sleep continuity than a night without. We did a not observe an association between ingestion of caffeine within four hours of bed with any of the sleep parameters. The right. scientists added that the findings were a surprise to the team, but that is in, l- in line with the previous evidence on effect of caffeine on sleep. 
I, I'm for pretty sure. Insomniacs. No, no, no. There's no. I don't know. It is. It keeps mentioning. It didn't insomniacs. mention that. No. We need to get this article. Nicodemus. This is a yeah. classic example. Yeah, yeah. Of some quasi journalist who yeah. writes for some yeah, stupid yeah. website. Insider.com. I'm yeah, sure that's making big a clickbaity title. I'm not saying Insider.com yeah. is. Speaking previously to the Independent, sleep expert Dr. Neil Stanley supported the study's findings, claiming that the idea that drinking coffee before bed will keep you awake at night is a myth. Right. Um, I'm going to try and find the actual study, okay? So, um... We do need to get to the podcast at some stage, though. At some stage. If you've been drinking two strong black cups of coffee every evening for the past 40 years, and you've just developed a sleeping problem, then it is almost certainly not the coffee. No yeah, well, that's extremely shit, Sherlock. obvious. Oh, my God. Earlier this year, so, I have a feeling now Fitz will suddenly be all about this one. A separate study suggested that drinking as little as two cups of coffee a day could increase life expectancy by up to two years. Amazing. <laughs> and we had no broker, no argument from Fitz. So I'm going to try to find the, the actual study here. So I'm going to have to... Um, drinking. So there's a lot of highlights. I think Yeah, this study was done on insomniacs. I don't know. And where. if that's the case, See, all of this the, is... Yeah. The perfect shining example of people who shouldn't be reading scientific studies, reading scientific studies, yeah. and then deciding to inform other people of the findings of those studies. So all of the all the links are just taking me are to Harvard Harvard's or Florida University's homepage. Right. Harvard Medical School. See it's probably behind the paywall. There, um, there's there are ways of getting scientific papers Jesus. without buying them, girl. Jesus, I wouldn't know about that. No. Yeah. That I was telling you being there lately that apparently, so eventually it'll be EU legislation that um, all no papers can be behind the paywall. Yeah. That are because that come from universities basically, unless they're entirely privately funded. What? Be, because. So basically, um, most studies are funded from the government. And because you pay your taxes, right? Most of us pay yeah. taxes. And your taxes go to the government. Seeker strength certainly pays tax. Certainly does. And then those taxes go to funding through different uh, departments or yeah. different organizations. Uh, that it, Because you've already paid for it, you shouldn't have to pay again for it. And right. the prices are extortionate. They're and absolutely extortionate. You're looking at like 45 to 70 euro for a PDF of one paper. It's crazy. And what a lot of people have pointed out recently, that what you're paying for is the people to independently verify my fingers are yes. doing an in comma, inverted commas motion here. What we would call it is peer reviewing. Peer reviewing. Yeah. And oftentimes it's a totally bullshit. <laughs> Unfortunately <laughs> when so. When you see the quality of some stuff that gets published so in like, fairly good, in yeah, fairly reputable, yeah. and again... We have the old bunny rabbit ears out. Yeah. So the reputable journals and papers. Have you heard about the conceptual penis? What's that? So it was in um, a psychology uh, journal. Right. Um, mythology journal as well, I think it's called. Mythology Today, I think it's called. And um, it's about psychology. But it was basically a, a person wrote um, basically a spoof paper, but in like psychological... Um, 
language you could say yes so basically how the conceptual penis invades um all of our <laughs> lives and that it uh, affects us all nev- negatively so if you google it you'll find it yeah it's, um it was basically it's just an entirely spoof article and it got peer-reviewed and published in the in this journal oh my god so there's numerous ones like that there's yeah. like uh another fella one of, the l- one of my buddies is telling me he's a bit of a maths man one of your science friends one of my science <laughs> friends who's uh who's actually doing he's doing like data analytics now for clinical trials but he was saying there was one some lad wrote made up a load of maths <laughs> and um because no one else could uh basically no one could disprove his maths because yes. he made it all up but he made up all these rules so in itself is fairly impressive yeah yeah yeah. but nobody wanted i think basically was no one wanted to admit that they couldn't understand his maths so oh my God. whoever peer reviewed it were like yep all this seems to be in order <laughs> And then they published it. But he did it on purpose. Like, he did yeah, it to yeah. say, you know, that peer reviewing is, at the moment, is bullshit. But if you look, most people who review scientific papers are yeah. college lecturers who have other jobs. Like, so they're full-time lecturing or they're lecturing and doing research. And they get emailed a few papers a week and they're doing an in-depth review, supposedly. Are they getting much for it, though? Yeah, they get paid a bit. But, like, they have other stuff going on. They read it, make sure there's nothing outrageous there, but and then yeah. send it back with a, a yay or an A. But obviously there's people who do an extremely good job of it, but I'd say there's definitely a few lads there who are making their bit of cash on the side. And, like, if anyone has read papers, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners has, yeah, you'll know that papers are written... Most of the time, unintentionally obtuse, but sometimes intentionally. But it's in so. their very nature that they have yeah. to be written like that. And if you've read through them, it's no matter how much, how well the paper's written and how well the study's done. If you're reading a load of these every week, it's just going to get mind-numbingly boring. Yeah, because yeah. a lot of papers, they say that if a if a paper gets published or cited, sorry, sorry, cited over five times. You're doing amazing. Apparently, there's like ten thousand papers published every month or something across the world. That's crazy. Something like that. So if you yeah. if one of your papers gets published over five times, you're in the like the one percent or something. Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. You're just a tiny. I'm trying to find the original, the actual study. I think it's in a, a journal. <sighs> so anyway, go on, any today's th- podcast. You think these are bullshit? Yeah, that is bullshit because it's done in Insomniacs. Uh today's podcast we're going to talk about how to do an off season how to kind of plan an off season what you should be kind of hoping to achieve or probably just importantly what you're not going to achieve in your off season um and then just the differences so if you're an athlete who's playing sport your off season is going to be dictated by when your competition season is if you're somebody who just goes to the gym and likes training and likes getting stronger or faster or whatever it is uh you can kind of you have a lot more latitude to play with when your off seasons happen, what you're gonna do during your off season, how long the off season is gonna be. Um and then we're just gonna talk generally about kind of what your structure will be, how you're change how you'll change your sessions and how you'll change your overall programme for your off season. <gasps> I found it. Right. Um <laughs> sort of abstract. Sorry, this no, is back to the caffeine study. Back to the caffeine. That's done in Insomniacs. 
So we examined, we're off to a bad start there now, they're, they're doing the first person. We examined the night to night associations of evening use of alcohol, caffeine, and nicotine with uh, estimated sleep duration, sleep efficiency, and wake after sleep onset. WASO <laughs> is the acronym <laughs> for that. WASO. 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 Among a large cohort Wasso. of African American adults. That's an unusual specification. That's very strange. Participants in the Jackson Heart Sleep Study underwent wrist actrography. Okay, we don't care about this. We right, care for about average participants. Okay, so results. Oh, oh, I don't know. It'll be in methods. So they were doing 5,164 days of concurrent. I've never seen that word before in sleep diary data. So I think that word. Wasso. No. Ac- <laughs> I've never. Jesus Christ. What is it? Um, Actigraphy. 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 I s- assume. I assume it's just um, wrist actigraphy. So I assume it's just uh, monitoring sleep data right. or whatever. Um, so I don't think it's insomniacs. It is insomniacs. Doesn't seem to be. They mentioned it twice. Um, no, it's not. It just says African American. It's the only thing to say about this. I don't have the full study because I'm. I'm going to read this study later and Probably. put in a little snippet at the end of this podcast. <laughs> so basically, um, oh, no, hang on. So we have linear mixed effect models were fit and adjusted for age, sex, educational attainment, body mass index, depression, anxiety, stress, and having worked school the next day. So that would make you think it's maybe not might be totally insomniac. I don't think it says nothing about insomniacs here. So that's like, as you were saying, there's another part of the problem is that whoever read the study originally in the paper didn't just didn't know yeah either but this is like this is a huge problem so if you're on any of the kind of big uh training websites or just even general kind of news websites now have articles about training and we see things that are like science-based or research-backed you really really need to just have a quick look and review is this actually what it's saying or is what it's saying in this article backed by what this article or what is cited in this article none of which our methods are <laughs> oh my god uh, all of our methods are I know to be fair there okay Gurf right off season training for any kind of athlete crossfitters put your damn phone away crossfitters Gurf checking how many likes he just got in this video just interesting to see in the comments see if anyone cares about the cons um. Well, surely you you would totally just be delighted about being able to drink coffee within. Oh, I'm absolutely f- delighted. And cigarettes. <laughs> what was the other one? Alcohol. <laughs> Alcohol. Three of your favorite things. Three of my favorite things in life. Uh, so off-season training for powerlifters, weightlifters, crossfitters, and real athletes. Yeah, field sports athletes. Probably, that just field sports athletes. Well, yeah, well, like track and field. Are you trackist? Track and fieldist. <laughs> How fieldist of you, bro? So, for the, arguably for the real athletes, off season is probably the most important. Um, it has the biggest effect on their sport performance. For the, other, the other thing about those guys is and girls is that you have more control over that period than you do over any other period. Mm-hmm. A lot of the time, yeah. like you're not training with your team, you might be given a program to do during your off season. Even if you are, you're still in, in charge of your own, like, structuring of your training. When your training will happen, you warming yourself and cooling yourself down. 
you've way more control over that period of time over when you go into pre-season or in-season. Whereas for the powerlifters, crossfitters and weightlifters, your off-season is just basically uh, an extended deload to yeah. some hypertrophy. Um, not, well, not deload, but a training period of easier training, I suppose, lower intensities, probably some higher non-specific volume. I um, just made, thought of something there, but someone told me recently. So what do you call... I just thought of something hilarious about deloading there. <laughs> do you know? <laughs> Somebody put up a video during the week. This this is in the grinds my gears section. <laughs> We're going to podcast Hitting a PB in a deload week. Oh, no. Oh. Uh, you know who I'm talking about. I think I know who you're talking about. This or not a PB, but a heavy lift or something. Yeah, something yeah. stupid like that. Deload weeks are for lower intensities. Lower weights. Low weights. Low volume. Low volume. If you've done a deload week, the rabbit ears are out again, and you've gone to a high intensity, then all you've done is you've tapered back your volume. Yeah. And then just like... Peaked for a PB. That's basically competition prep. Yeah. You've done a taper. So in in rugby, what, what do you call... The underage, and so not youths, but like, is it juniors? Do you say juniors? No. So in rugby, in Ireland anyway, uh, junior rugby would be... What would be pre-senior Munster? But still Munster Academy, would it be? Yeah, it'd be academy setups. So they're currently at the moment, so someone told me recently who was involved and was doing some stuff them over the summer, told me that their metric for testing at the... or their list for testing at the moment is front squats to a box above parallel. Yeah. Kirk's mouth is open. Um, so within the IRFU setup, so that's the four provinces, like the four professional teams in Ireland. I'm, I'm not going to say no squatting to parallel or below parallel, but as a whole, all the squatting will be done to like two or three inches above parallel to a box. For under 18 year olds. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, if they're in the academy, they're not under 18. Um. And they're like they're at a stage where I think they were under eighteen. They were, I think they're all under eighteen. Oh, so they're like yeah, monster youths. From what I was told, most of them probably couldn't do a full squat. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Like, so oh, like, actually, sorry, they're definitely on the academy. I think because they also me the person in the academy, with the new strength conditioning coach was a former NFL strength and conditioning coach came in. Okay. Was like. None of you can do full squats. <laughs> this is ridiculous. That is ridiculous. So, so he, like he got them all doing full squats. Yeah. And injury rates on the field went down. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously. So like that is the thing with senior rugby and the RFU is there's been study like the reason they're not squatting to parallel is the same reason Ashraf, the hammer thrower we spoke to, doesn't squat to parallel is because they're not concerned with getting their squat bigger. They're just concerned with getting stronger and they don't need to be squatting to full depth. With developing athletes and youth athletes, mm-hmm. you have to be squatting to full you depth. Have to be surely. Most of those lads are still growing and they're adding huge amounts of mass and weight and muscle and strength. There's a seventeen year old who's six foot ten and hundred and thirty four kilos. In that setup? Yeah. I've no doubt. Yeah. An interesting side note on selection criteria for Monster Rugby at the moment. So they used to do this. They had a huge testing program. Um, so like when I was underage and I went through that 
testing program, it was like two days of like full testing metrics, mm-hmm. beep tests, uh, like loads of aerobic tests, and then uh, max broad jump, max vertical jump, all these like science based tests. Yeah. And in three years, they got two professional athletes. You for real? <laughs> That's how they like they just gained, no, or maybe it was one. I think it was three years for one professional player to come through at senior level. So, like, obviously that testing protocol was horrendous. Now the testing protocol is: if you're six foot four or over, you automatically get kept on a squad. <laughs> Especially if you're 134 and, kilos, and they get way more success with that. He's only 17 as well, I think. Yeah, that's crazy. And like, if you're six foot ten, you're going to add mass well into your 30s. Joe, you're not going to develop a full frame until you're. Probably 32, 34. Usually supers in uh, weightlifting develop a little bit later. Yeah. And of course powerlifters. Just Stan Efferding hit his world records and he's 45, I think. Stan the man Efferding. Stan, what, why is it called the Rhino actually? <coughs> just because he's enormous. Or was. I don't know. Could be because he'd no neck. No neck. <laughs> so usually like powerlifters and stuff seem to kind of, well. Develop a bit later. Yeah kind of hard now I suppose because it's, it's like very different now yeah a lot of freaks out there yeah Um, watched a West Side movie the other day what's that called again uh, West Side Against the World is it any good it's actually good yeah um, it's on YouTube is it yeah. no it's on um, Netflix how much is it it's on Netflix oh ne- sorry Netflix yeah, is it on Netflix yeah. I thought it was on YouTube yeah oh I might watch it it's worth a watch so uh, it just reaffirms that Louis Simmons is an absolute lunatic but who knew a lot about getting people strong? I was just going to say, yeah. he might be a lo- See, the problem was a lot of times people discounted what he was saying because he was a lunatic. Yeah. But a lot of, but they listened to the stuff that he was saying that wasn't training related. Yeah. So he he was doing what he wanted to do was get r- people really strong and equipped. Yeah. You know, like the stuff he says about assistance exercises, which is incredibly related to the the, uh, the topic of this podcast. Like, see, so st- I was watching a video there, Steffi Cohen, I think you saw it too, went there. And she yeah. was like, he was like, oh, he did some kind of test. And he was like, your obliques are too weak to squat, too far to yours. I don't know, whatever he said. And um, he gave her some exercises. Yeah. I really like that, just kind of. Yeah, yeah. This muscle group is too big, too weak if you make it stronger. Because I've heard some people argue, I think it was on the Mark Bell podcast, saying that, like, you know, doing things like leg extensions, if you're squatting 8,000 pounds, won't do any difference. But I would be on the, the opposite of that thing. Yeah. Because it's so easy. weight's heavier. Yeah. Of course it's going to make a difference. Because it's going to have like kind of a compounding effect because it's so yeah. much easier for you to get better at those things if you're shit at them. Like if you're shit at um say you're benching 180, right? Yeah. And you can't single arm strict press a 40 kilo dumbbell or something. Yeah. Sh- like uh, that's that's a random example now. It's probably a poor enough one. Do you like and that's on that same point. If you're squatting a 1000 pounds, yeah. You don't have a lot left in the I'm just gonna squat a lot. That's it. Like you, toolbox. You can't go. Okay, I'm you need to get your miniature gains from everywhere. Hundred percent. Like you can't do the. Okay, I'll do three by tens for two weeks, and I'll do eights, and I'll do sixes. No, because you've been doing that for the last six years, probably. And you'll have to do tens at like, three hundred kilos. Yeah. You know, which is just very unfeasible. Absurd for most people. <laughs> Absurd for most people. Very like risk, like pro. That's gonna make you incredibly risk prone, like. Yeah, like just the, the the damage that amount of volume would do for you. That total tonnage is crazy. You yeah, know? and like 
for you to get a training effect from the just squatting. Mm-hmm. Like you said, it's so fucking heavy. Yeah. So if you could take 15% of those super heavy lifts off. Yeah. And do loads of assistance work. So this apl- Obviously, it's going to be huge. This applies to weightlifters and powerlifters specifically uh, in, the, in their off season. Yeah. So if you you have let's say you've given yourself you've peaked for like two or three competitions in a row now in the space of six months probably in part of the maybe two competitions in six to eight months yeah and you've you're like okay i'm gonna give myself you're feeling kind of beat up mentally you're a bit fatigued from the gym you achy and not an achy from you haven't been doing your just a few owies yeah and you haven't (laughs) and it's not from not doing your mobility or whatever you want to call it a mobile kind of a a bad, bad name to it now, isn't it? You haven't done your mobility. Yeah, oh, wait, yeah. What's a better name for it? You haven't, been doing, you haven't been taking care of your body, say. Yeah. Or you have been taking care of your body, but you're still feeling sore. And you... You know, a really Look, good one... Everyone knows what being drained feels like. A really good one, actually, if you're approaching, so, over-training, and if you compete a lot, you probably might experience this, is you'll wake up in the middle of the night, wide awake, like you'll be <laughs> wide awake. And yeah. a lot of people... Probably haven't experienced this, but if you ever do, if you're ever just training crazy for a year or two, right, and you wake up in the middle of the night, unexplainably, like, you'll feel tired from going to bed. Yeah. And you wake up wide awake. So apparently this actually, I think someone, it's a good reason. Basically, your CNS is, like, overstimulated, and it's just misfiring randomly. Okay. So it's happened to me before, like... It's your CNS. Yeah, like... I'd assume it would be cortisol levels in your brain I'm sure that's it's, it's tied yeah, into yeah, it yeah. like you're waking up and you're just like yeah, it's I happened to me before feeling, yeah. have you ever happened to you yeah like you, that's why you because you're just so like everything's just like out of yeah. kilter like and you wake up and you're wide awake unexplainably and you go back to sleep again no problem yeah. so that's actually one of the symptoms I suppose of approaching overtraining or probably overtrained yeah um, which is very hard to get to but uh, so basically you're at this stage and you're like okay it's time for two eight weeks of yeah, of a bit of an of off season. Off season, that was a great time to do. Let's say you're part of there and you're terrible at front squats, or your yeah. obliques are really bad, or you've really, really weak rear delts or something. Now is the perfect time to just let's say you always bench first on your day two or something, and it's been working great. Now is the time to put bench as a number exercise number three in that full bench, flat yeah. bench, something. And you do your rear delts first, and then you do your dumbbell bench press because you need to get them better too. That was an unbelievably good time. Yeah. So I think it. So in that case, right, it's like How do a you four staff season, right? Yeah. But let's uh, say it's, I, it's 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 a. I think the main thing is like, yeah. you should know exactly when you're going to take a break. Hundred percent. And like, if you're, we talked earlier, right? Like, if you're an athlete or if you're playing a sport, then the season will dictate when you have to take a break. If you're a weightlifter, a powerlifter, or some kind of athlete that there's competitions on year round, you like second or third most important thing in your training schedule is figuring out when you're not going to be training hard. Joe, yeah. First thing is probably figuring out when you're going to compete, mm-hmm. when you're going to taper into that. Yeah. Uh, second thing would be how long your preparation will take you, and then the third thing is when am I going to take a bit of a break. For weightlifters, it's 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 actually kind of hard because if you're if you're let's say you're a weightlifter and you're trying to make some national teams, yeah, in international competitions, which is probably not that many listeners, but you have to you'll be competing a lot 
yeah so it's very very hard to t- so getting into shape takes a long time when weightlifting and getting out of shape can happen very fast so <laughs> almost instantly some would say it can happen daily you know? yeah so it's very hard to justify taking a few weeks it will pay off in the long run if you do it yeah but trying to find the time to do that is, is very difficult and you're, you're not going to find the time no. if you don't sit down and be like, force yourself to do it, mm-hmm. force yourself to pick a date. Mm-hmm. And then people are murdered for this, right? They'll go to a competition mm-hmm. and they mightn't hit the weights they really wanted to hit, but they did grand, you know. Yeah. They might have done four from six or three from six. And next thing, they go into the gym on a Wednesday and they max. Yeah. And then they do another mini taper and they max the next Saturday. Yeah. And then they end up maxing three or four times instead of just tapering to a competition, accepting the results, mm-hmm. having some ownership over it, yeah. and then taking a break. Worse again is they do really well. And they keep going. Keep going then, because they're like, I'm yeah. in phenomenal form, instead of being like, right. I it's like to. trying to catch smoke in your hands, you know? Yeah. Like <laughs> You're trying to maintain the peak condition, but yeah. the whole idea was that you'd built so long into this that it's, it's hard to maintain it. Otherwise, yeah. you'd be in that top shape all the time. Um, unless you're Bulgarian <laughs> that was the whole idea I suppose was to eliminate that you were always ready for competition some would say riding the lightning riding the lightning hard <laughs> but uh, very impractical for most people yeah so I think then but if you're an amateur weightlifter if you're competing like twice a year 100% yeah, yeah. but Planet for age. everyone it pays off yeah massively in the long run if you do do it we're both an off season esque yeah. I'm definitely an off season now for sure yeah um, kind of this week and next week going back into proper training but you're kind of even though you're getting ready to proper training again yeah um okay so if you've decided when you're going to take an off season and how long you need for an off season realistically two weeks probably isn't enough no no, no. um and then like eight to 12 weeks is great if you want to bring about physiological changes like yeah alterating or altering body mass gaining some muscle losing some fat uh making legitimate strength gains not just kind of a short-term neurological strength gain uh like making actual changes in mobility mm-hmm. and flexibility these things will all take two months to three months to kind of get somewhere good so i think if you've decided when your off season is and how long the off season is going to be the next thing is doing like a mini needs analysis on yourself and figuring out what am I going to do at this time um, probably the simplest way to do this is do everything you weren't doing before <laughs> and then it's like if you were doing lots of snatch clean and jerk what you should be doing now is lots of not snatch and not snatch yeah. clean and jerk just <laughs> like not even like squats with just re- like get so far away you want to be the base of the pyramid now so this is a yeah, you know, the broad, yeah, wide range. So exercise cl- selection can be broad. Volume is going to be fairly high mm-hmm. on a whole. You don't want to be doing things. So if you're a power lifter, mm-hmm. or if you're actually, let's say you're a thrower, mm-hmm. and you use hang power cleans a lot in your in-season training. Yeah, uh, you use shallow box squats. Yeah, a lot in your in-season training, and yeah. you do. Uh, like a really heavy jammer press mm-hmm. you can probably take those three exercises out mm-hmm. and just say I'm not going to do those for the off season yeah unless maybe they make if you unless them for some reason let's say like the jammer press makes your shoulders feel great or something 
Yeah, yeah. If they're for, there for with a very specific yeah. reason. But most of the time it'll just be strength. Yeah. You know, for a weightlifter, I kind of feel like now might not be a bad time to get some kind of deadlift going. Yeah. Because normally, obviously, I'm going to keep it fairly specific, so it's still want to be double overhand, but it doesn't have to be... Well, yeah, preferably a double overhand with or without straps, doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, because normally you can't really push it. Up, so you can do your pulls and stuff, but you can't push them because it's too fatiguing. But if you have eight weeks of an off season, I feel like most people could benefit. So from what we've seen now, so there's been probably over a hundred and over a hundred something people have passed through Seeking now recently in the last few months, and definitely o- almost well over a hundred. Well over a hundred, probably close to one hundred fifty, I'd say. Yeah, and overwhelmingly, people are not able for volume, are not ready for it, no. or haven't been. They're like holy shit you know yeah the volume's killing me it's always in a good way people love it but from what we've seen is people are n- like they just don't seem to be there and ready for it they like we're like normally like that's like that's fairly moderate volume we try to keep and we like when we're writing those first especially in the weightlifting block one block yeah. two and even block three a small bit yeah we're very cognizant that people yeah, yeah. aren't aware of volume, like, like especially in powerlifting. Ready for it, like powerlifting, like to the first block of powerlifting. We know a lot. We're like, we know we're not going to be getting four hundred kilo squatters, you know, thousand no. pound squatters. So we know there's going to be a lot of amateurs and a lot of people who are very new to strength training. A lot of times they're not powerlifters. We just call it powerlifting because it's squat, bench, and deadlift. Yeah. But we know it's for just general strength trainers, you know. And we're like, okay, we're just going to keep this fairly mellow now. And ease them into it as you should yeah. if you listen to our podcast they're going slowly and almost like people who who get heavily involved with the, the feedback aspect with us they're all like geez lads the volume's crazy or it's killing yeah, me or yeah. like you know I'm, I'm fucked but not not in a bad way like that they're just yeah a lot of times like it'll be four days later and they'll still have doms you know <laughs> and like to me the sessions seem fairly that they are reasonable of course they're reasonable that's yeah. why we put them in there you know so if you're let's say you're a weightlifter now is a great time to throw some volume at yourself yeah. but non like non weightlifting volume so like that script deadlifts full deadlifts I'd like to see someone if you're a weightlifter give it 8 weeks to deadlift I bet you'll benefit from it yeah and you'll just get a lot stronger in general yeah also if you're trying to put some body weight on mm-hmm. getting a strong ass deadlift and getting a bit thicker yeah deadlifting will help that a lot um because these will add up over the years, these off seconds. Yeah, like if you end up doing two of these a year for 10 years, mm-hmm. that's a lot. Like A lot of deadlifting. Yeah. Um, I think another thing as well is people tend to, like the more specific we get and the more we get into things, people move away from the single leg stuff and the kind of more movement-centered stuff like pistol squats, mm-hmm. uh, like single arm thrusters, single arm overhead squats. These are all things that are unbelievably useful. These would be great for powerlifters and weightlifters. You yeah. Know? Usually for off-season for CrossFit athletes will look something, will mostly be strength training, really. Yeah. So a heavy focus on strength training. That's what off-season is. And CrossFitters never really have an off-season. No. They kind of go from a training cycle focused on one thing. Yeah. Then it will kind of morph into more aerobic or more anaerobic. And like they kind of just cycle in and out of different... Areas of focus. Never moving forward. Twirling. Twirling <laughs> in infinity. <laughs> so then if you're a field athlete, so if you're a soccer player. This, it's all about adding mass and strength really as well. Yeah. So it's very or it s- could be taking away mass. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, And like, you could be 
strong as hell. Yeah. And you could be a soccer player and you've been playing centre back for the last ten years, but now you're thirty four and you're just getting a bit sluggish. Yeah. And losing five kilos and getting a bit more movement to do they is say gonna do wonders. Every kilo of mass has an m- incredible demand on uh, like oxygen uptake and stuff. Yeah. So um Ross Edgley had it on his Instagram recently actually. So every kilo you gain like massively like crazy amounts of oxygen extras needed and stuff yeah. like that. So obviously lean mass, you know. So like the real athletes and crossfit athletes off season will both be heavily focused on strength. But for obviously for the crossfitters, it'll be a lot of weightlifting. You know, a lot of snatch clean jerk trying to get better at it then because a lot of times um every crossfitter today is basically a competitive crossfitter, you know. Not yeah. all of them, but almost all of them will have done a competition or will want to do a competition. Every single crossfitter we have on a seeker program yeah. is doing competitions. Exactly. I think another thing for a crossfitter to kind of take a more out of the box approach would be just take six weeks or eight weeks and just do a weightlifting cycle or just do a powerlifting cycle or just do a bodybuilding phase. Don't try and kill all the. Like, crossfitters are juggling a lot of balls as it is like they're trying to be gymnasts they're trying to be weightlifters they're trying to be runners yeah. swimmers triathletes they're trying to do everything like that in season if you're a crossfitter your off season will be abs- like it would be absolutely no bad thing to be like okay six weeks of weightlifting mm-hmm. eight weeks of weightlifting yeah don't touch anything else don't go near a rowing machine yeah don't get on a pull-up bar. If you're taking an off-season, it's not a prep phase. Mm-hmm. It's not a, or sorry, it's not a pre-season phase. It's not a specific to your sport phase. Just go and do something. Although, you know, a lot of times, a lot of crossfitters are kind of dumb strong, you know? And a lot of them are not right good at running or rowing or long Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, as, when I'm saying <laughs> weightlifting program... Yeah. Go do a fucking couch to 5k program but then or marathon running yeah. program or like something. Your off season might be stop doing so much weightlifting, yeah. so much strength training and go do your, like, yeah, like you say, couch to 5k, like focus on some of your aerobic capacity, you know? Or go to a running coach. Yeah. Oh my God. Because yeah. you see more and more CrossFitters doing like their track session mm-hmm. and you see it up in their stories like track session today a lot of elite crossfitters as yeah well. their warm up is a 400 meter run they run like a duck that's running from a like deranged cat all you can yeah and their heels are just slamming off the floor and their arms are flailing and their traps are so big that their ears are getting chafed so let's say a good runner is very quiet and there's no head movement or upper body movement yeah so it's all it's on the legs yeah I've been told I wouldn't know do you ever get any sprint coaching? Um, not really. So I've done a f- cross country five k when I was like seventeen. <laughs> it wasn't bad. I did like twenty minutes. Very good. Very very slow compared to everybody else doing it though. Really incredibly slow. Yeah, my best five k time was like nineteen flat. Oh, maybe it's a bit more than twenty minutes. So well, I wasn't too bad. I was like seventy odd kilos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that I'd like, say it was like a hundred. You were like a hundred kilos. Yeah, I was very fast running. For the first 10 meters <laughs> That's basically what my sprinting was It was like 10 meters covering ground very fast And then yeah. incredibly slow after that <laughs> An exponential decay curve <laughs> um, But yeah like Pick something Don't like 
fitness athletes as a whole tend to kind of have to be like the squirrel trying to gather all the different nuts from all the different trees and squirrel them in together like you know pick this pick this like selecting for different programs if anything you're off season like if nothing else make it focused on one thing see the problem with weightlifting as well of picking a six or eight week and just focusing on weightlifting is weightlifting's hard if you haven't noticed already <laughs> if anyone's tried weightlifting and six to eight weeks is just a kind of a drop in the ocean most of the time yeah so you're gonna make well you'll make some gains i think so right you mightn't make any top end gains yeah. in your one rm yeah yeah which is like initially which is all people want to do what you could do actually is probably pick an aspect of your weightlifting that's very yeah. poor that's probably a better way of going about it so if you're if you're always doing powers yeah and never catch it in the bottom of a squat exactly let's like snatch balances yeah squats, snatch with push presses snatch balance snatch ba- so like let's say your your classic clean and jerk like your power clean and jerk or something is great but you could just can't do full snatches you like you start doing loads so you set you like you take your let's say for example you are this person I'll just giving a more specific specific example specific specific example did you so say pacific i said pacific yeah you're <coughs> you reduce your just got sick and back in my you're cleaning so let's say you're four days a week you've dedicated you're like i can do four days and just do two days aerobic or something or two sessions aerobic and just i know it'll maintain from past experiences so you're like okay i'm going to do I'm going to really focus on my snatch and my overhead strength for eight weeks because it's always been bad because in competitions anytime a clean and jerk complex or a max com- clean and jerk comes up you're like oh, I always do really good in it but anytime a snatch comes up you're literally like 40 out of 45 and you're like <laughs> fuck's sake <laughs> so you've got two weeks you give it you afford you, you, so you start by saying how many days a week you can dedicate this and you do you're like okay three of these four sessions are going to be heavy snatch focus I'm gonna do. You're gonna do loads of snatch balance. You're gonna do load of snatch push press and overhead squats. You're gonna prioritize those. You're gonna practice full snatches. You're gonna take away all power snatches. You don't need them in your program anymore. No, they're dead to you. There's no power snatches anymore. There's no such thing as a power snatch. No, power snatch broke your heart and left. Who's power snatch? Yeah. <laughs> so you're doing power snatches. Rode your best friend and drove away in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> so you. So let's say at the moment your best snatch is like. You're, you're power snatching you're powering 80 kilos or 100 kilos or something yeah. and you just your best full snatch is like 90 or something and it's ropey and your best snatch balance is 80 kilos <laughs> worse again <laughs> worse again and by the end of the you same week sick. <laughs> you're you're going to pick a number and you're like I'm going to snatch balance 110 kilos yeah which should be no problem for you no problem at all so you should be like you're you pick it you start going this is this is going to be the priority in every time I come to the gym now because I really want to get this better. Yeah. And this is what this off season is for. And even if your your shoulders are a bit more fatigued from all the overhead work and when you start doing your kipping pull-ups or your handstand push-ups, they're worse. You think to yourself, this is, this is going to pay off. This is going to pay off. Yeah. This is no problem. I'm normally really good at handstand push-ups and you say, these will come back, no problem. Yeah. You have the confidence to know that other stuff will take the priority and it'll pay off massively in the end when you snatch 110. Yeah. After snatch balancing. I think a really important thing you touched on there is like 
you being afraid that your handstands are going to go away right, yeah. or are you being afraid that your your engine my engine's going to go bro um the better you are at something more than likely the reason you're so good at that is because you've favorable gene expression and you've trained it so much that those genes have transcribed hundreds and thousands of times and you're now incredibly well adapted for doing whatever it is running a 5k with a good time or having really good aerobic fitness you then going and doing a block of six or eight weeks of strength work or hypertrophy work yeah that will go away right mitochondrial density decreases in three days in a day in a day yeah so it's going to get worse yeah because you were so good at it you're time to retrain Mm -hmm. is so much lower it's tiny it's and it's negligible like you know you're going to get back to where you were yeah the kipping pull-ups and uh if it's strength strength takes years to go away yeah and if it's fitness it takes days to come back weeks to come back yeah yeah, so in either case you're totally fine yeah and like i think the more people struggle to have to get something yeah the more they're going to try and hold on to it understandable and you can end up just being that that ball juggler who is constantly trying to juggle all the balls and yeah. Joe like it, it's never going to end well. No, like I'm I've have been not in the last few years, but I have been guilty of been always trying to keep my squat really high. Yeah. So not in the last three or four years. Now like I know if I need to get my squat back up I can do it no especially problem. Especially the last two years. Yeah. Especially. You've been really cognizant of that. Like it's zero problem. Like yeah. like it bothers me not at all if my squat goes down 20 30 kilos yeah not really goes down but you, like it for all intents and purposes it's gone down it like literally water off a duck's back yeah like i know if i gave it six or eight weeks like i know if i gave two or three months now hard squatting i could get back to i could get to 300 you know yeah but i just it, it doesn't bother me too much because i know it's it's something that's not not a big deal like because other things are, mo- are more in priority to me at the moment whereas before especially when i was competing a lot i was always like Jeez, I need to really like really keep my squad up you know yeah. so that was one of the things that actually happened so this is a perfect example of talking from experience <laughs> so I done I've, I know I've talked about this before but I was thinking of like the very first episode so I did I was like qualifying for Europeans did Europeans did nationals and then like another competition like Celtic Nations like five competitions trained really hard which in itself was too much yeah. been injured I think for two months of that year total I couldn't put any bar overhead because I, mean, I fucked up my shoulder but with 140 variants of snatch right <laughs> so after the Celtic Nations which what I should have done was wait like, I actually don't think I ever told you what I did but what I should have done is I should have just taken a week off yeah I'd, uh, I started a new job at that time as well so I should have just been like fairly blasé about training yeah very next day okay what wait, I'll, I'll let you try guess what 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 do you think the w- stupidest thing I could have not one of the stupidest things I could have done day one day post camp the day after I done fairly uh, easy now, 160 clean jerks or something like but it was I was I'm te- going to take two guesses where am I now I was teetering on the edge I've been injured twice this year and I was teetering on the edge of like it was good and then but there was like I'd done more at Europeans like you know okay okay go on I'm going to take two guesses at this right yeah the first one is it's pretty dumb now so enhance what you're thinking it I'm either thinking you maxed a high hang snatch. No, no, no. Oh, it's dumber. Oh, way dumber. No, dumber, 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 dumber. Way dumber. <laughs> a lot dumber there. Does it involve squatting? Yeah. Oh, God. 
Max reps, 200 kilos. No, I started 5x5 five five pause back squat every day. Yeah. What? Yeah. I got up to 200 what? kilos 5x3 pause back squat, to be fair. What? Yeah. What? Who knows? Who? I, th- I was like, I'm going to get it. Because before, when I, like, when I done the 140 hang snatch at the time, I done a two twenty pause back squat, and I was like, "Oh, maybe my pause squats are high." My snatches. Oh my goes. god! You live and you learn. You but make me sick at this point. <laughs> <laughs> unsurprisingly, I was overtrained. Unsurprisingly, <laughs> that's the time when I was like, I was in the lab, and I was literally like, "Oh, you!" I got sick. Like, you told me that, yeah. Literally, like both ends pissing out my ass, pissing out your ass. Like that was that. That's when that would have been an unbelievable time for. Do you know what the problem was, right? So this was like late October. And in January, What's the problem was you spoke to Clarence. No, no. <laughs> I was influenced by him, being around him. No, no, I was like, uh, obviously, of course, but I was like, this was end of October, and in the January there was going to be another qualifying for Europeans, and yeah. I was like, the time I wanted to go to Europeans, so I was like, geez, I better get strong. So, what I should have done was been like, right, I'm just going to take it smart for six weeks. Yeah, and knowing I should have been able to qualify for Europeans easily, not easily, but after four or five weeks of training, I should have been able to get close to it again, you know? Yeah. No, sir <laughs> No, sir. <laughs> five by five. And I got it got really strong, but then at one point... It just, sure, it did, girl. It all just came crumbling down, yeah. wasn't it? I've never been before again... Like, even last year when I was I had uh, food poisoning in Uzbekistan. Yeah. Not even a, a fifth of how sick I was. Gurf having food poisoning in Uzbekistan was rough for all three of us. <laughs> that wasn't even... That was barely even a, that was a fifth yeah. of what I had after the overtraining so the physical symptoms overtraining can vary between people obviously yeah and mine manifested itself in just like but just so obviously leading up to it I had the waking up like neurotic yeah I'd randomly vomited every few weeks like just um, like just unexplainably I'd wake up in the middle of the night and get sick yeah so this is legitimate overtraining like so right overtraining guys for for people who might be versed in it is Usually in in heavy training, we're doing something called overreaching. Yeah. So we're doing something, we're bringing in a stimulus that's more than we can handle, and then our body reacts to that. When we have a super compensation curve, yeah, and we get stronger. Overtraining is when you do the you bring in the stimulus, you have a flat line. Usually, you bring in the stimulus, that line goes down, yeah. and then super compensate compensation will be that line comes back up as you recover and it comes to a level higher than you were before what happens when we overtrain is if you imagine we have a flat line our stimulus comes along and knocks the line down mm-hmm. and then it tries to come back up a tiny bit and then another stimulus comes and it gets knocked down again yeah and then we try to come back up again but it gets knocked down again and we're we just continuously decrease our and that line could be like velocity that yeah. line could be height of a, a max vert vertical jump yeah that line could be any number of things but that's basically what you're seeing overreaching is you never being able to recover yeah so like in in the like three or four months prior like randomly i'd woken up and vomited like yeah not from food poisoning no but this yeah, just, yeah yeah this was getting like some like i should have known it's getting real i should have <laughs> obviously at the time i was totally unaware of the symptoms completely yeah just flabbergasted why did I wake up like never before having vomited like <laughs> nothing like just totally unexplainable to me like I was like why am I waking up like wide awake like basically white yeah. knuckling stuff you know so obviously cortisol was and I was finishing college at the time you know oh, yeah. big change in life stuff like that you know so uh, 
after that competition would have been an unbelievable time for an off season. And hopefully, someone listening can appreciate. Yeah. That they might look if one person listening to this. Yeah. Is like doesn't shit themselves in newspapers. Oh, my hands has been my hands been shaking every time I try and write down notes in college or something or in work, and uh, and I've been really anxious. And geez, I've been training pretty hard and I haven't taken any time off in a year. Yeah, like grip strength is a an indicator of CNS fatigue. So if you like, if you feel like, like if you so, as we said earlier, most people aren't used to volume. But if there's a few people there, and I know they there is listing. Who are training? You know like who a, you are. A lunatic, like Dara was saying. Your hands are shaking. You wake up randomly. Coffee's doing nothing for you. Yeah. You're feeling fatigued. Negative emotions. Some more symptoms. So like negative emotions are big ones. Uh, more symptoms be like loss of appetite. Yeah. Uh, large fluc- fluctuations of body weight. Yeah. Uh, gaining body fat. Yeah. Could actually be one of them. Loss of muscle tissue. Loss of muscle tissue. Uh, lower insomnia. Unexplainably lower weights. Yeah, um, insomnia or else excessive sleep. So, oh. sleeping for like sixteen hours in a row. That was happening to me as well. Previous point, a couple yeah. months earlier, like I would just randomly fall asleep during the day. Yeah, which um, is great. But it's it's great. great. It's great, except when it's that. Yeah. Um. So there are like there's you can Google these. Uh, it manifests itself in a lot of ways for people. Yeah, definitely. And people like there's a lot of inter individual differences. Could be summed up as general fucked. You're fucked. You're fucked. Or flad, as you're we'd f- say in Cork. Yeah, you're just flad. F L A H H E D. You're just flad. Yeah. So if you're listening and you've just done a comp and you're just finishing college or something, and usually it's college students because you're younger and dumber. Yeah. And you have time. If you feel like you don't need the off season, you definitely take it. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? And if you feel like you do need it, you're going to need more than an eight week off season. Yeah. So there's right. So there's kind of two points I want to get to next. Um, if you're an athlete who's working within like a a refined season, right? So, um, if we take rugby as the usual example, you usually start in September, October. Uh, in terms of your actual playing season, would be September, October. You usually have a bit of a break over Christmas. Um, and the break would be four or five weeks, and then. It usually goes from January through to April or May, depending on how far you get in competition. You've the really obvious off-season, as in that two- or three-month gap in between your last game in the Cup and your first day of pre-season. Good few rugby players took advantage of that with the seek strength off-season. A lot of rugby players. Um, but you can then start looking for these little mini off-seasons, right? And so one of the best coaches we ever had used to make us take, he called it a mini preseason, and it would be from probably the second week in December for three or four weeks through to the first or second week in January. And that made some unbelievable difference, right? Because it takes out rugby-specific drills. So we were like really well-drilled team. We were having a great season. And then for those three or four weeks, we were doing way more strength and conditioning work, way more sprint-specific work, a lot less rugby, and virtually no tackling work. And it just meant that... Saved the old brain, was it? <laughs> but it, like, it means that those impact injuries are vastly reduced. You get to push the strength and conditioning work a lot more. You actually get a chance... Like Players don't get to gain body weight during season. In season... All season long is a fight to maintain every kilo you have. 
so then if you have this like three or four week block where it goes from four days a week or five days a week down to just three sessions a week that's a huge difference so what I would say is if you're in those seasons and you can kind of foresee that geez we don't have a game now for three weeks in a row um, and especially if you're in a coaching role or in like a a leadership role on the team if you don't have games for three or four weeks in a row and you have that opportunity then it's time to like sit down as a coaching team or sit down as like a leadership group and say look let's take out all our soccer specific or rugby specific or our our badminton specific work let's go back to our strength and conditioning work let's make some legitimate physiological changes and then go back and hit it again what kind of stuff could they do in those two to three weeks realistically two to three weeks isn't enough time to three four weeks so so three or four weeks even still probably isn't enough time to make big changes so let's say we've some throwers who have a break from competition. Yeah, right. So if you've a hammer thrower, um, and they've been they've probably competed for three months at this stage or two and a half months, it's time then just to do mini uh, screening. So like if we've any imbalances come from from right to left or back to front, and a lot of the time with throwers you will have imbalances come because they've been doing competition specific things like throwing so frequently every single week that they'll ha- start to just have things like joint pain. So it could be a thing that like their right knee hurts and that will happen a lot with weightlifters of like suddenly something like that will creep in where like, Jesus, my left wrist or my left elbow is really starting to hurt. Yeah. That's the time to fix those things. So like any of those small little injuries or like you might call them niggles, they're not really injuries, but they're just hurting you. That's the perfect time to fix that. There's a cat just walked into the house. I hate cats. Yeah, it's just well past. How did that get in? Anyway. <gasps> you'll just hear a gunshot in a sec. Is he loud in those? No. God, no. Um, Shitty and pissing everywhere. Oh, God, it's there. It's looking in the door. Careful, get up and close the door. So, the first thing to do, right? Will you go and close wherever it got in as well? Uh, yeah, do definitely get it out. So, right, the first thing you do is you go and you take that niggle. You'll figure out how to fix it. So if it's like an impact injury, the fixing it might be going getting some anti-inflammatories or it might be going getting some physiotherapy on it. The other things you might need to look at are um, like a performance marker. So say if you're a, a marathon runner and your running has been going well or like say a 5k runner your running's been going well but you know your your balance is incredibly poor or your postural strength is really bad I'll get it in a sec it'll be grand um, so like posture and balance are both really really important for runners it might be a thing of you're going to take that three or four weeks and just work on postural strength so that could be doing loads of isometric holds it could be building a small bit of muscular strength in your upper back it could be core work and then just take cat those fighting. three or four weeks what's a cat, cat fighting um, and really focusing on correcting those errors it's I have a curveball to throw at you go on what if I'm an archer Olympic yeah caliber an archer and I have an off season what do I do not shoot a bow not shoot a bow what stuff do I do in the gym <laughs> what's t- t- just to get back to the archer thing specifically right yeah specifically Pacific. Um, El Pacifico <laughs> if you so competition shooters yeah, right. 
for around 50% of the year they're obviously there's exceptions to this rule yep. aren't shooting they're not shooting the specific way they shoot yeah. and it's with pistol throwers especially or pistol throwers <laughs> pistol shooters because they're like yeah. if you watch Olympic pistol shooting yeah. it's one arm held straight out yeah. at 90 degrees and it's like really susceptible to injury if you're an archer you probably don't want to be doing things that are stressing that um, if you've like a three month off season you don't want to be shooting continuously through your off season in terms of what you're doing in the gym you probably want to look at obviously where your weaknesses are but then if you're looking at like a strength based approach you know that getting generally aerobically fit for anything to do with shooting or any kind of accuracy driven thing yeah. is going to be really really beneficial because controlling physiological response to stress so like controlling your heart rate um, having favorable blood pressure measures are all going to be really, really good for for shooting, as you know from shooting a rifle. Um, so you in the gym, you could be doing. You don't think your hand is shaky, but it is. <laughs> <laughs> your hand is incredibly shaky. Uh, so in the gym, you're doing general conditioning work. Uh, if you can get your resting heart rate down, get your resting heart rate down as low as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. So like you're looking at a lot of shooters. Get that athletic heart syndrome like what's that get the the old athletic hearts the old enlarged left ventricle you really want an old strong heartbeat yeah interesting note one of my uncles had a 27 beats per minute get out of town heart rate yeah Um, so most of those um, shooters they're looking at a heart rate of like between 40 and 50 beats per minute yeah um, which would be fairly standard so getting generally aerobically fit and then you're looking at the things that are really specific to your sport so for an archer upper back strength and it's specifically like in between your scapula is really really important what kind of stuff would you do i'd be doing things like a bent over row so like just to build that strength i'd be doing bent over rows seal rows. rear delt flies seal rows and then obviously i'd be pairing those with um like lateral pushing vertical pushing just to make sure everything stays good and we're not just overloading that system too much Pavlov is it Pavlov 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 yeah Pavlov presses Um, loads of anti-rotation exercises are going to be really important for that Mm -hmm. Um, so like Pavlov presses Russian twists lateral wall balls half kneeling wall balls all Um, those things are going to be really beneficial leg raises back extensions yeah all those goods Um, and then in those super specific closed skill sports you see a lot of repetitive strain injury um, and we know ourselves so like if you're seeing repetitive strain injury around the knee if it's a tendon or ligament issue obviously from the squat university stuff we've if you haven't listened to that podcast go back and listen to it and we'll talk about knee injuries with tendons and stuff like that yeah doing really heavily weighted isometrics around those tendons yeah are really even heavily weighted uh eccentrics on those tendons is going to be incredibly beneficial yep you're just bulletproofing yourself against those injuries uh, and that'll come for things like golfer's elbow tennis elbow all those issues so on a back to like weightlifters and powerlifters there's kind of for a weightlifter for the off season you can do kind of go about it two ways right so the first way would be totally different to the powerlifter so for the weightlifter you can do something some variants that you never do so you can be like you can pick like a muscle snatch or maybe you can do fives in the hang clean for eight weeks or something yeah you can pick those 
or it could be something as get those forearm gains it could be as far away from the lift as you want so it could yeah. be like hang no foot power clean fives for some reason and build to a one in eight weeks you know yeah. you, can, you can go re- you you probably should some you can go f- as far away from the variance of the lift as you can. On that point, yeah. let's just add in a note that if you're picking something like that, yeah. so if little Timmy is there and and little Timmy knows he's going to take six weeks of an off-season, yeah. but little Timmy is unbelievable yeah. at thrusters. Yeah. Little Timmy can leave those thrusters behind him. What? Yeah. Are you for real? I'm 100% for leave real. Leave him at the door. <laughs> leave him at the door. Leave him in your in-season stuff. So there needs to be something you're bad at, basically. Yeah. So if you're terrible at hand cleans, and let's say your full clean is 160, and you can hand clean 130, it's a great time. It's a great time because... Pick something you're bad at, like social interaction. <laughs> Leave the gym, go talk to your girlfriend. So, because let's say let's say it is a hand clean, right? And let's say let's say it's worse, right. you, can, you can barely do 120. Yeah. The, the reason you would pick this at this time, right? Yeah. Is because the weights are light. Yeah. By force. So you can't do heavy weights. Because you can't do them, which yeah. is fantastic. It's what we want in the off-season. You're going to have to do a lot of reps at lighter weights to get a benefit because you can't get the intensity high, so you can't do volume and intensity, so you can only do your volume. So let's say yeah. it is 120 and your best clean is 160, right? So let's say you're really bad at them. It's a, you're, let's say hang, above the knee hang clean, right? Yeah. You just have to do like sets of three to five at 100 kilos for a while. Yeah. And by the time you can progress beyond that, it's four or five weeks over. Yeah. So you've had a nice little off-season there. So you've done like... You've started at 90, like 4 by 5 just hand clean now, right? And then you've done like five by 4 by 5 of 100 or 5 by 4 or something. Yeah. And you've done like 4 by 3 of 110. And then you've done doubles of 120 because you're, you're getting better, right? And you've had an enforced layoff because uh, it's good to pick something that your weights are lower, not just because it makes sense because it's an off-season, but it will also, because you have an ego, it's impossible for you to go heavier. Yeah. So you, by the end of the six weeks, you might only be able to do 130. So what you've done is you've taken a rest from heavier weights, which is what we were hoping to do. You've done something you're bad at, which will make you better at the things you're good at. And you'll have it a new PB, and you'll yeah. have done some volume. So and you're not doing a specific yeah. lift. You've gone very far away from the lifts. I've actually been doing hang power cleans, yeah. high hang power cleans, and high hang cleans yeah. for the last four or five weeks. Yeah, for your deadlift. Been doing loads. <laughs> Get better at benching. Um, <laughs> but I've been doing loads of them. And it's because any time I did them in the past, I was like, come down, swing the bar around 17 feet out in front of me yeah. and then smash it into my quads Mash and go in. under. Yeah. I used to be so bad at that. Terrible. So then when I was like, I knew I wasn't going to go back to any full snatches and full cleaning jerks. I was like, what are we going to do? Get better at high hand cleans. Yeah. And then I hit a PB today. Yep. Woo. You did? Yeah. No right to? Uh, no. I've been training at least once a week. <laughs> or our other option, what we can do is... Some might call that option number two. Th- that'll be option probably number two. Option number one, which will be what I'd recommend for powerlifters, is a phrase we love but nobody really uses anymore, is some GPP. Yeah. So for weightlifters, you might only need to save you two off-seasons in the year. You could do option number two and then option number one once each. So you could do some GPP too. And if you if you don't know what... Do you reckon GPP? people would get it more if we said GFP? General physical... It's not what it's called. It's, it's called... General physical? Physical, like... General physical. <laughs> GPP stands for general physical preparedness. Yeah. So it, it used to be... Back when like... 
I used to visit Elite FTS website every day in T Nation. Yeah. GPP was for powerlifters. Was all up in that. All up in the grill. Yeah. It was a very common term everyone used. If you weren't using GPP in your training. If you, you look at most of the like instructional stuff that was yeah. printed in books and stuff in like the 80s and 90s. Yeah. It's all about the GPP. Because they realized that you need to build a base, you know. Yeah. And so if you're doing powerlifting, realistically, you you don't have, a, let's say... You don't have a whole lot of variations to go no. back to realist so stuff that you wouldn't have already been doing. So you've got to really change it up. And because if you're a powerlifter, your weights, let's say compared to weightlifting, are heavier because they're slower lifts, but they're bigger weights. Everyone knows this, obviously. So and you've way heavier eccentrics. Yeah. Really. Weightlifting is just like concentric, boom. Yeah. It's all over. Yeah. It just gets you sad in the brain. Yeah. Hurts the brain muscles. <laughs> so, so Heavy brain eccentrics. <laughs> so um, you... GPP is just basically it's not conditioning specific specific specifically conditioning it's conditioning if you say specifically once more and turn the machine off but it's the, the machine is it <laughs> oh you're just going on the tubes <laughs> to the machine it's stuff like it's kind of conditioning but kind of I think people get people get really yeah That's a good drawn into the fact that conditioning is only aerobic yeah conditioning is conditioning your body to be better at something so you like it's not just aerobic you you're not just getting class at running yeah you're doing stuff like uh stair sprints yeah or heavy box step ups so i don't know if anyone remembers are prowlers still yeah so prowlers when they came out everybody was using those for conditioning they're unbelievable i made my own well and i made my own prowler my father welded me a prowler <laughs> They're so good. So good. Just throwing on some weights. Yeah. They call them sleds now. It's not a prowler. I think prowler was what Elite FDS called their sled. Oh, really? Yeah, I think that's why. We used to do a lot of sled pushes. It's fantastic. They're very good. So there's no eccentric. That's the whole idea. Yeah. So you're not breaking down a lot of muscle, but you're doing a lot of training. Yeah. But it also could be other things like, you know, like let med ball slams. Or yeah. You could even do like skipping if you're... Sledgehammer slams. Sledgehammer slams. Sledgehammer slams. So you can do stuff like... Do you know if if you're a part of her, you could do something like uh, rowing, kettlebell complexes, or rowing, or, or rowing. You could sit on a rower. You could be. You could do some rowing. You could do rowing. You could use a concept you know, machine. You could row like twice a week for twenty minutes. <laughs> Imagine that. You could. I'm not saying there's you people turning this podcast off. <laughs> Somebody just threw their phone into the car in traffic. Slamming. On Stop them. it! No, don't say. Like you could do some rowing for like eight weeks. Yeah. Imagine. Imagine if. You wouldn't have to take 10 minutes between sets and be breathing. <laughs> so you could do stuff like, uh, like Dara saying, sledgehammer slams, or you could do some, what else could you do? You could do... Do you know what a really good option is? So a lot of the time when we decide to do things axes. like this, <laughs> axe throwing, um, we decide to do things like this, we tend to make the mistake of being like, yeah, sure, I'm just going to do it like three times a week and I'll just do 20 minutes like Joel. Like, even saying it there, we're like, oh, just sit on a fucking rowing machine for 20 minutes. And we've no real aims or no real structure. And we're just like, oh, I was breathing really heavy. My heart was pumping and I was sweating. Well, you know, but we didn't really measure anything. Well, but I know where you're going with this. But, f but for people who don't do any rowing or any kind yeah, of conditioning. Yeah, this is a okay. great... Go on. I have a plan. All right, bye. So what you need to do... I have a plan, I'm glad. <laughs> so you need to look up where they have something like a spin class it's getting or a hit class <laughs> you fat ass <laughs> like look up in your local Glovo gym yeah. something like a hit that's class that's a great idea hit class you just think of that now 
Yeah. Quite oh my so god, illegal. I told you it was a good idea. You always do this. <laughs> Are you tobacco burpees? Is this where but this is going? It's also a thing of being like, you can't just like there's no escaping. Yeah. We've all seen what those like fitness instructors are like in those classes enthusiastic so you're just going to be down there Into in it. the back wearing your like illegal t-shirt and <laughs> sweating your ass like top cons <laughs> yeah but just pick something like that you know do like two hit classes a week or two spin classes a week it will force you to do it it's not gonna like nobody gets injured doing a spin class you're not like just your heart just your heart and your feelings Come on, you fat ass. <laughs> and if it's like, if it's an off season and you need to do mobility work, why why, why do don't you do just this? go and do two yoga classes a week? Exactly. Joe? Why do you need to do this though? Why do why does GPP help your weightlifting or powerlifting more specifically? Oh, so like one of the points as you touched on earlier is like y- you recover a hell of a lot better in between sets. Mm-hmm. You also, your intra-set recovery. So if you're doing a set of five or even as a weightlifter, if you're going from a clean into a jerk, mm-hmm. All those things like recovery happens on a scale of between one second to one day to one week. Yep. You know, and like being Does your intra-week recovery increase? In a roundabout way. In a roundabout way. Um you also will get better at things like you're you're probably gonna lose some body fat, which is probably gonna help. No heart. That that doesn't hurt anything. Gabriel so I don't know if you've seen the video but <laughs> we were driving from we're on like a four or five hour drive in Romania with, with Gabriel and we're, I was just um, we were just talking Dara asked what should you do about his body weight because Dara's uh, was just wondering about body composition and uh, I won't be I won't be mean to Dara no I asked him I was like Gabriel what should I do to get better well, no, no. You 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 asked him about weight, sir. You got. I oh think, yeah, it's like, oh, should you, I gain weight to yeah, get better? You should. You're like, should I gain weight or what's the story? And basically, he didn't tell you what to do, right? <laughs> but he heavily implied he, there was like implications. S- stay the same weight. So what he said, right, was he started his prep for Rio at 92 kilos, and he said he finished up 84 kilos, and I was like shredded, and he was like shredded. Yeah. So he didn't tell Dara get shredded. But I was like, improve um, weight to power ratio, basically. And he was like, yes. Yeah, he was like, so I was he, like, should I gain weight? He didn't call Dara a fat ass. He didn't call me a fat ass. But, but I was like, should I gain weight? And he was like, no, 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 no. No gain weight. I was like, should I lose weight? He was like, no, no, no. But more. Mm. Yeah. And the, mm, yeah. in this case, yeah, meant yeah. get shredded. He, there was implications. Implications. So if you're a powerlifter, and let's say you're moving up weight class. Yeah. It might be a good time to get rid of a little bit of body fat and give yeah. some room for muscle. Muscles. 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 So and you you should at this time as well, right? So let's say for the powerlifter who's like, right, I'm gonna move from let's say the eighty class to the ninety class. I, I don't know what that I don't know. I don't know what their weight classes are. So let's say you're a little Me and Griff are doing powerlifting competition. Yeah. Well you're doing it and I'm following you along. <laughs> I'm doing it and Gareth is gonna sign up too. <laughs> so, let's say you're uh, you wanna move up to the next weight class. Yeah. You're carrying a bit of tub tub. Stop looking at me like that. <laughs> You're carrying a bit of tub. Yeah. And if you gain more weight now, right? What's gonna happen? Timmy. Where are we talking about Timmy? So Timmy, you're tubby now, right? Yeah. And you're you wanna move up ten kilos. 
I'm going to say right if you've as a rule of thumb hang on now Timmy I, if, no, I, if you have excess fat now Timmy yeah as a rule of thumb do you think it's a good idea to add more fat I don't think Timmy should be adding any weight hang on now let's say this person needs to move up let's yeah. say it's time for this person but why does he need to move up girl? Yeah, he's no muscles. But anyway, what does he have? Fat. A lot of fat. He needs to get rid of the fat. Yeah. So it's a great time to lose some fatty, and because you're not going to be using much barbells, well, you will be, but it won't be very, very, very. It'd be very, very vague. It, m- it might not be in every session. It might Some would say it'd be very, very non-specific. It might be once a week using that yeah. barbell. So you have a lot of time. This is a great great time to build some muscles yeah so Ed Cohen talks about this a lot is that he used to do like two comps a year and then go straight back into a hypertrophy phase so if you're a powerlifter and they're like he's doing traditional bodybuilding yeah. a lot of the time like so we see powerlifters doing hypertrophy phases and they're like yeah tens they're just fucking body or they're fucking powerlifting yeah, with like higher tens, reps yeah tens of the deadlift tens of the back yeah squat. do some like legit bodybuilding stuff so like your session get a Gymshark t-shirt cut the sleeves off why isn't <laughs> like you could like we would definitely recommend so doing your hip, so let's say, you're, let's say for example you're a bit of a tubber right and you've just you're doing your hit classes twice a week yeah. spin classes maybe even three times a week yeah if you're if you're feeling extra fat and uh, I hope that's not hitting the home now with anyone Dara <laughs> and um, you're like right I'm gonna lose some fat but I don't wanna lose any muscle yeah and maybe Maybe I'm a beginner, so I'm one of those rare cases where I could lose fat and build muscle, okay? So you're going to do, ain't nothing wrong with it, an old traditional bodybuilding split. Ain't nothing wrong with it. So the barbell to you for these eight weeks, right? The barbell, okay? I want you to look at your hand and pretend you're talking to yourself, right? Point your index finger back at yourself. Tell yourself that that barbell means nothing to you, right? Yeah. The only reason you use that barbell is if it's to build a specific <laughs> muscle group, right? She means nothing to you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> She's not no good for you. So, like, the, the barbell is no more use to you, or it's no more important to you than a cable machine is. Yeah. So, if if cable flies makes your titties bigger than benching does, benching isn't the thing you're doing, right? For eight weeks. So no. And it's hard for people to let it go, like, it's so hard. It's and super hard. People bring their identity, yeah, <laughs> like along with them. Like if you're that lad in the g- de- the gym who was always heavy deadlift, right? Yeah. And let's say you're a class of deadlifting, right? You're doing two seventy, two eighty, or something, and people are like, "Fuck him," do you know? Yeah. You're known for that fella. It's like you with squatting, like yeah, pure, you know? pure class. Yeah. Leave that behind you. Yeah, you don't need it. No, and this, like Jesus. this will benefit you so much people's athletic identity is so important to them and this is like this happens at every level from international elite competitors down to the guy in the crossfit gym who's better at power cleans than everyone else yeah joe leave that yeah at the door yeah it's not important like all those gyms have leave your ego at the door yeah like maybe leave your fucking athletic identity at the door (laughs) that's what they mean yeah they don't know but that's what they mean (laughs) So, like, if you are that powerlifter, like, just leave the deadlift. It doesn't matter to you. Like, no. This will benefit you so much in the long run as well. And you're going to be such a better deadlifter after it. Because if you're a deadlifter, right, and you can barely... So, let's say on top of our building muscle and classes, you can barely do a pistol. And let's say you can barely do a pistol negative yeah. without falling over or getting excruciating knee pain. <laughs> so, like, what are you pushing into the floor with when you're deadlifting? Your legs. Your legs, right. <laughs> but we're not allowed to do any squats, okay? Yeah. Any heavy squats. 
or even any barbells. I'm going to put it in a junk theory. Go on. I'm going to say, yeah. Top five movements of the off season. Yeah. Belt squatting is in there. Oh, it's a great one. Oh my goodness. But what happens if you went from a single leg squat on a box or a bench, right? Yeah. Well, let's say you couldn't go, you went from not being able to do one, right? Yeah. To being able to do one with a 20 kilo dumbbell for reps. Imagine what that would do for your deadlift and your squat. Oh my God. Imagine you're pushing the floor with your legs. Yeah. Imagine. Imagine the increased muscular contraction potential. Your separation in your legs. Oh my God. Like if you went from being literally not being able to do it and you had knee pain because a lot of people do get knee pain when they do yeah. pistols negatives you went from getting pain in your knees to like what's it um, what's quadriceps tendon no what's the name oh it doesn't matter any um, go on oh you get pain when you do those in pistols a lot of people get it like you know because you're just not conditioned for that right. let's say your tendons aren't conditioned for that particular yeah. movement and you go from being able to do those after two or three weeks to like fairly smoothly do five or s- maybe like sets of ten Assisted or unassisted yeah. on the box or the bench. And then you have to like, can I have a dumbbell now? Like, right, you hold a dumbbell yeah. in your hand. Like, that will pay off dividends. It will be novelty, a new yeah. lift, something different. Be something to do with the bear when you're drunk, showing <laughs> off. <laughs> It'll make you more athletic. Yeah. Increase, um, like, increase a bit of proprioception, I suppose. Yeah. No harm in saying that word. No. Or without saying that. Yeah. The tool in the toolbox. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You know, it'll increase a bit of mobility for sure. It'll just have a, it will just give you a chance to do something different as well. But it will have massive benefits yeah. if you can just give, if you allow yourself, if you're just, if you're good enough to yourself to let you, just do those things. You know, like, yeah, like that. Like the first thing you come in and do like twice a week or something like that. Right, we better leave that there. You think that's it? I think that's it. Um, I think we could talk about off seasons for another five podcasts. Yeah, and we probably will. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye.